0: We're back here to the Neil Haley Show on the Caregiver Dave Celebrity Segment. I'm excited to welcome to the program Caregiver Dave Nassani. Dave, how are you? Uh, I'm great. Weeks, uh, you were celebrating, right? For a couple yeah, weeks. Yeah, I had oh. a
1: grandson uh, get married. One of seven. Wow. Uh, in Nashville, Tennessee. Good to be in Nashville. Owned a lot of property there. Lost a lot of money there. And I have a lot of family there.
0: <laughs> so you're back, and we have some great guests. Introduce our guests today.
1: Devon Fallon Hogan. Great. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good, Stars thanks in for D. having
2: me on. I appreciate it.
1: Okay. Well, I was going to introduce you, but why don't you quickly tell us some of your accolades so we know who we're talking to, or the audience does.
2: Oh, my gosh. Okay. I'll tell my <laughs> resume. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I, I've been in this business for a million years. I was on Saturday Night Live, Seinfeld, Men in Black, Forrest Gump, you name it. A lot of Lars von Trier movies, Dancer in the Dark, Dogville. But now I've written a movie called Rushed, which is coming out today. All right, and theaters all That's over the impressive. country. Yeah,
1: impressive resume. Thank yes, you. I,
0: I know it's her pressing resume, but she wants to do some comedy. So let's talk. What came first, SNL? Was I mean, like, how did how did that happen? Well, I,
2: I I did a lot of theater, and I moved to New York City. I'm from upstate New York, which Rushed is based on a woman from upstate New York. And it went down to New York. I had no skills whatsoever. I did some summer stock theater and I was ready to quit the business. And my father said, why don't you come home and do dinner theater? I was like, what? And then this friend of mine said, there's an, there's an uh, audition at this uh, improv comedy club. So I got in and the director said, why don't you write a one person show? So I said, all right, I'd never written. And so I did. And I, I, put it on at West Side Arts Off-Broadway Theater, and I rented the lobby out because theaters are dark on Monday nights and Sunday nights. So people thought I had an Off-Broadway one-woman show, and I handed out the tickets, I, I mean, the, the flyers at TKTS, and I got great reviews. So I brought it to LA, did it in LA, and Seinfeld came, and SNL came, and I got on those shows, and that opened a ton of doors for me.
0: Wow. Okay. So I want to go SNL and I, I'm sure Dave, you have answers, uh, questions on Seinfeld. So SNL, tell us specifically, once you had that opportunity, some of the things that we can remember from SNL.
2: So I, mainly what people would know me from SNL. I was one of the Delta Delta girls, Delta, 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 can I help you, help you, help you. And so <laughs> that was, and I did a lot of, Oh, uh, Chris Rock, you say, call me judgy. Cause they always made the, me the judge, judgy wudgy but I was on with Chris Farley and Adam Sandler and David Spade. And that was the, that was the um, Wayne's world years. I was very good friends with Chris Farley, Adam Spade, or Adam and David are still friends. Um, Ellen Cleghorn was my roommate. She's still a great friend. So, you know, it was great. I mean, it was, it was, you know, the, what what I would hoped for as a, as a comedian. And then I was lucky because I did Shakespeare in the park that summer. I was Phoebe and as you like it in central park in New York city and a casting director who was, very sophisticated Amy Kaufman saw me and she said, Siobhan, I think you can do more than comedy. And I was like, I yeah, think? So um, she had me audition for um, Lars von Trier, who's a very well known European director. And my daughter Bernadette was a very difficult child. She had ear infections all the time. So I was up all night with the baby and I was able to cry and command during the audition. <laughs> so I've done three movies with Lars. I did Dancer in the Dark that won the Palm d'Or with Bjork. I did Dogville with Lauren McCall and Nicole Kidman. And I just did um, The House of Jack MacDillan. So when I wrote Rushed, my movie, I sent it over to Denmark and they loved it. And they said, we want to co-produce. So I was like, oh, maybe this is good. So I called up my yeah. good friend, Robert Patrick from The Terminator and walked the line in many, many movies to play my husband. He said, I'm in. Jake Weary from Animal Kingdom. He plays the bad oh, boy, man. frat boy and Perry Gilpin from Frasier. And so that's how it all happened. Awesome. Wow.
1: You, you are well connected, young lady.
2: Well, I've been around <laughs> the block. And, you know, I treat people, I treat people the way I want to be treated when I'm on a set or as a friend. And so, you know, when I called up these big high rollers who make a lot of money a week, I um, they. I was like, Robert, what do you think? He's like, Siobhan, I love the script. And he's like, I'm all in. And I was like, how much do you want to make a week? $2 or $2.50? And then he <laughs> said, I, I love the script. I'm in. So, actually, his mom is going to be seeing a movie tonight in Cleveland, and um, we had a big surprise for her out there tonight when she goes to see the show.
1: Wow. So, what, what, when you were younger, what did you feel like you were going to do? Was it comedy? Was it theater? Was it musical? Was it writing? I mean, well, where, did, I, you, where did you first get your first clue I'm you one were of, a talented person?
2: I'm one of five, and I'm from a big <sighs> Irish Catholic family, and, and my parents didn't really... Um, well, they cared about our grades, but they cared more if we were funny. So I remember one time I came home from college. I had a really bad grades, and I was like a D in astronomy, and you know maybe, maybe my my best grade was like a C. And I was like, and my, my friends were like, you're gonna be in so much trouble. And I was like, oh, I shouldn't have gone out so much. And so I I said to my father, I got a D in astronomy, and he's like, shivani and look at I just ate two and a half pieces of pie. Now there's a lot of the pie left over. There's 65 of the pie. Look how much pie there is. D's not bad in astronomy. Who knows about the stars? So anyway. My family really loved funny and they love stories. We were big storytellers. So I kind of, you know, I did stage first and comedy was my kind of thing. I never did stand up, but I trained. I got my master's in fine arts and acting from Catholic University, which has a very good program. Susan Sarandon went there, John Voight, John Slattery, um, a lot of great actors. I, I had this training, but I was pegged. I was pegged to be comedic. Only And when I got this break with Lars von Trier, that opened up a lot of doors. And I, then I got The Negotiator and I did a lot of serious movies after that. So I was able to make that cross.
1: Wow. Very impressive. So let's
0: go to SNL and your experiences with Chris Farley. We're interested in hearing about that.
2: Okay. So Chris, I just feel so honored and blessed to have known him and have not been my friend. He and I, from very similar backgrounds, I'm, my husband... At the time I just started to date. He was a New York rugby player. He worked on Wall Street. He lived a block from me. Chris and I would go, we'd go to the parties and afterwards I'd be like, Chris, I really like this guy. He's really nice. And he's like, Sean, we're going to, what's his apartment number? Come on, let's find him. Let's go to the building. And so we'd go with David Spade. Chris and I would go and like five o'clock in the morning because the parties at SNL didn't start till one. And we, he'd ring the buzzer. Come on, Peter, you fat bastard, wake up. Sharon's a catch. Come on, open the door. So he was instrumental in me meeting my husband. Then we also went to, we both went to Holy Trinity um, Catholic Church together at night on Sunday nights. And, you know, par- sometimes the, the parties would go a little wild and you'd see Chris going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But he was such a great guy. And um, when he, after he passed, I remember there was a memorial for him and you'd think there'd be like, you know, some star up there giving the eulogy. And the memorial service this was, though, actually. And up was a shut-in who he had visited and brought meals to. He was a great person, you know, with, with, with a rough, terrible problem. And my movie actually touches on something similar in that the family, when, when horrible things happen to funny people, to me, that's particularly sad and even more sad because you don't expect kind of the, the funny ones to have that much trouble. And when they do, how do they handle it? And, you know, I saw Chris go through a lot and, you know, he suffered a lot, but his funny was so funny. I mean, it's like that those two extremes, you know? So I was really lucky to be his pal. And I got to tell you, like Adam Sandler and David Spade, they've been so supportive of, of my movie Rushed and I'm forever grateful to SNL. And Lauren Michaels put me in Baby Mama at, years after. You know, when I was, I was a birthing specialist with, with, with Tina Feo, I was like, okay, Quash, we're going to talk about boofing a baby.
1: <laughs> awesome. Tell us about your Seinfeld times.
2: Seinfeld was unbelievable. So what? interestingly- So I remind was, us about
0: the character. Remind us about the character. I Can was Elaine's
2: ever- roommate. I was Tina, Elaine's roommate.
0: Before Seinfeld, right? No, yeah. during Seinfeld, during I remember it completely. And now you're giving no, no, me on yeah.
2: the show. I was Elaine's roommate, and the oh. first the, fir, the first time I was on, they were just starting up, and they didn't know if they were going to get picked up for the second season. And then I was Kramer's girlfriend, the African dance, and then I did another one where I where Elaine was getting kicked out of the building. I was like, "That's I can't let people into the building. That's why there's a buzzer. So <laughs> yes. I had this character. Yes. When I first got on the show, Larry David called me up after we had done, you know, re- rehearsed for a couple of days. In TV, you have to get everything down into 22 minutes so that if it's a half hour show because of the commercial time. And he's like, Siobhan, we gotta cut your, I thought he was gonna say, you go, we gotta cut you out. But he said, we have to cut your part down a little. And I was like, oh, that's no problem. So I I was an actress on it, that was my part. And I was like, oh my God, I had the best. I t- couldn't have talked slower. I was like, well, if my parts cut down, I'll just slow down my part. Wait, there's a bottle of water here. Actually, I was like, hi, Alan. Hi, Jerry. And then they they had a strawberry. I I was like. (laughs) Anyway, I took the longest sip in the history of man. And I talked so slowly that my part equaled the same amount. That's called milking it as an actor or they call it chewing the scenery. So anyway, (laughs) it was was fabulous. And then when I went back for the fifth season, I was supposed to do another one, but I couldn't because of SNL. But when I went back the third time, they were on top of the world. So I And mean, they never changed. They were just great people who worked hard, loved, their, loved what they did. And obviously, it was genius.
1: I can't believe you've never done stand-up. Uh, no. it? Is it scary? Of course it's scary.
2: I, it's a totally different ballgame. I'm, I'm an actress. I like to hide behind characters. I don't like to stand up and be myself and tell jokes. Because if you stand up and tell a joke and it bombs, you can't blame it on you. If you're, if you're a character, you can hide behind the character, you know? I mean, that, it's a totally different deal.
1: I think you should do it. You can I do a whole should. routine right, of characters. All the characters you've ever done.
2: I know, but if people don't laugh, you, what do you see my movie, it's a revenge thriller. And when things don't go her way, she has a slightly bad temper. So what if I went after the audience and be like, hey, you didn't laugh at my jokes. Come over here. You think, you know, let me talk to you.
0: See, That's I love you right there. It's always going back to that, but there's so many different experiences to talk about, Dave. And and, and see, I know exactly who she's talking about now because of the Seinfeld. Everyone remembers Seinfeld characters. It's like the, the thing that no one forgets a Seinfeld character. I interviewed the soup Nazi. I did. Oh, yeah. yeah and, and he's, he was phenomenal. Uh, you know, um, Mr. Peterman I've interviewed like, or not Peterman? no, you did the one, you know, the one from the dog show, it'll come in. Uh, Oh, John O'Hurley, I've interviewed. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've interviewed multiple times for the, for the dog show, but those Seinfeld characters or the red ribbon, they, you are on one time Seinfeld. People aren't going to forget your character forever. Do you agree with that when you start saying Seinfeld and then you tell the story and they'll well, say, oh, I remember
2: I was lucky to do three of them. I was supposed to do the fourth. And my son recently said to me, Mom, you should do cameos. I'm like, what is a cameo? So I was like, "All right, let's give it a whirl." So we were on this road trip, and he, and he signs me up for cameo. And two minutes seconds later, it's like ding, and I'm like, "Oh no! I look I'm like wearing like my husband's t shirt. I have no makeup." And it's like, "Do a cameo," and they're like, "Could you please do Seinfeld when Elaine gets kicked out of the building?" And everybody wants not everybody. A lot of people like to see Men in Black or Forrest Gump or Holes or different things. But a lot yeah, of people we
0: got we have so many things. Remember Holes again? Another great movie. Yeah. Oh so yeah. good. good.
2: So I was like, they always want to say that's why there's a buzzer. No, but holes, they like me, you know, Henry Winkler and I did the dance. They know, I don't smell anything. So people like that. And, and, you know, of course they always love men in black. And then, I don't know, there's all kinds of different things, but. You know, be- because of my. Um, experience being in this business so long, when I went and did my movie rushed, which you notice how I keep circling back to that. I love it. You're like doing the tactic? same thing. I had. I'm like, i had. I Watch had a, Wonderful
0: and he did the same thing going back to CM, his MSNBC thing. We were trying to talk Shark Tank with Mr. Wonderful and he
2: just kept coming back. So you're doing the same strategy <laughs> yeah. that he's doing. So that's okay. He, my father was a lawyer. He used to call those people double talkers. He's like, Siobhan, that person's a double talker. So that's like a crazy person. No, but I wanted to say, because of all my experiences working on all these different shows, I mean, that's how I met Perry Gilpin from, from Frazier. I did a play with her. So, you know all these people that you meet along the way, you know, you kind of connect the dots and then it all kind of works out, you know? Um, But, and, and then the social media thing is so huge. Like Jake Weary's in the movie, you know, he's huge in animal kingdom. Adam Sandler, David Spade. I'm like, guys, I don't even know what tweeting is. I was like, you need to retweet this thing that my son did. And like, Siobhan, we're all in like, they're so supportive, you know?
0: That's great. All right. I love you going back each time and I'm going to take you back again. So let's go 30 Rock now. What was your character on 30 Rock?
2: 30 Rock, I played Alec Baldwin's sister and I was Molly Shannon's sister. And that was crazy because my own daughter in real life there was like a camping trip and I'm not outdoorsy at all for the school. So I don't know why I volunteered and I got pneumonia. And so I was supposed to play like a, like a big drinker sister. So when I, on the show, I, I had like this cough that sounded like an alcoholic. Cause had pneumonia. I was like, Ugh. but anyway, it was a riot. I love being on that show.
1: What about men in black
2: men in black was unbelievable. Barry Soddenfeld, one of the greatest directors of all times. And, you know, it was with Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones, Vincent D'Onofrio, And I mean, it was just incredible. I honestly did, for that show, an imitation of someone I knew from Syracuse. I was like, I had no expression. And I was like, Edgar, your skin is falling off your bones because there was a girl from Syracuse who talked like that. And I was like, just did an imitation of her. And Barry's like, I love it, let's do it.
1: Yeah, you can't make up stuff like that. Yeah. All right,
0: so let's go back to another question. So, Dave, I guess you did the last question. So you have circled us back six times to the movie, but we're gonna what get movie? to that. Rush?
3: Yes. Don't you
1: know, worry, we are gonna talk about rush because
3: oh, I to rush
2: that's go, coming out today in theaters across the country. And it's also gonna be on Apple, iTunes, and Amazon and all video platforms. And please come support us, it's fabulous. And our reviews have been unbelievable. You gotta go on filmthreat.com, you gotta go on rotten Tomatoes. We've had our it's been off the charts. If you like thrillers, go. All How right. much
1: can you tell us without giving it away?
2: Well, I'm going to tell you that there's two audiences for this film. There's kids going into college and college kids. And there's a parents who sit in their beds, sick to their stomachs, worried about their kids because we have these things called cell phones. And we're like, hey, make good choices while you're in college. Just let me know you're in safely. OK, um, then two o'clock in the morning. Hey, mom, again, don't mean to bug you. Want to give you some freedom, but let me know. And you sit in bed and you're in the fetal position and you're like, my God, my kid's probably dead. So this was from me sitting in bed. I have two daughters and a son, many nights worrying. Many moms do this. Your kids go off to college. In the movie, I have four kids. The oldest boy goes off to college. The mother harasses the kids on the way to school. She's like, call your brother, Jimmy. They're like, mom, you're harassing him. I'm like, all right, either call him And pull those skirts down because you look like hookers or i'm telling you right now if you're ugly on the outside i mean ugly on the inside pretty on the outside no one likes you now call your brother anyway so she harasses him but then something horrible happens and this mom at the beginning of the movie is praying and she's swearing at the same time because the kids are late for school and the sandwiches she's making are all messed up so she's this frantic faithful mom with a lot of humor and when the horrible incident takes place Her faith and her humor get her through, but she's a different person because she never expected to be out in the limelight. And I have this fabulous editor. I did this Johnny Depp movie called The Professor. And my director, Vibika Musaya, who's fantastic from Denmark, she said to me two days before the film was over, ending. We were driving upstate New York to get the foliage scenes. Siobhan, we have an A-list film and we don't have an A-list editor. And I was like, wait, I know one, Sabina Miliani. She added it and she said to me, Sean, let me tell you something. When you do a thriller, you must always be one step ahead of the audience. Every time they think they have it figured out, you twist and turn, twist and turn. So this movie, when you see it, and as the reviewers are saying, you will be on the edge of your seat in the fetal position, because Love you that. don't know what's happening next, ever. And Robert Patrick hits it out of the ballpark, so does Jake Weary, so does Perry Gilpin and Rusty Schwimmer. The cast is unbelievable.
0: Wow. So, I, so, so, so I, I love this promotion, but I'm going to go back to like, when I always talk to people is you, you, you're you giving us the pretty much that just how, why did you do it? What made you want to, well, put this
2: together? I had written one, several one woman shows over the years. And about four years ago, I said to myself, if I can do a one person show, why can't I write a film? Because I've been in the industry long enough. So I have a friend who's a producer and he Said, and he's a writer, and he said, Siobhan, just write. But when you write, don't judge the end, don't judge any of it, just start writing. And, you know, as a mom and with kids, the teenagers, when they start going out, when they're like 15, you're just worried all the time. And so I spent many a night in my bed worried, and that's where it came from.
1: Yeah. I have three daughters. I know what you're talking about.
2: Yeah. My father used to say, I like kids, just not from 15 to 25. (laughs) You got that right. So, but there, but because, you know, this whole college thing, when they go off um, and you have too much contact with them, it's almost worse because when you don't have the contact, you worry sick. And now with colleges, when they change that drinking age, you guys know, when we went to college, it was beer. Now it's all hard liquor and it's Russian roulette when you're drinking hard liquor. Yeah. And also in any institution, whether it's a sorority or a frat or a, uh, any, any job when, when the leader is hip and cool and good looking and tough and they have a, some sort of a charm that people follow them, but in your gut, you're like, I don't like that guy or that girl. You got to have the guts to get out and do the right thing. Don't follow the leader because you're, you know what I mean? Because everybody else thinks you're cool. And there's a message in this. The humor and the faith gets you through. And when you're in a bad situation, you do the right thing by your friend. And if it becomes, if the right thing is to call 911, you better do it or someone might find you. Because hell hath no fury like a mother scorned.
0: You have had you've gone through every character and it's just amazing how many characters. That's why you've done a one woman show. One other person I've interviewed that's done a one woman show is Kat Kramer back in the day. Kat, she's yeah. really good at Katherine Kramer against uh, late father was Stanley Kramer. And yeah. she does those one woman. I've talked to other people. So you could do a you did a one woman interview just now. You've asked yourself yeah. questions and it's
2: I, 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 Lily Tomlin and I worked together years and years ago. And of course I was a massive fan of Lily's and I saw her show on Broadway. I've saw her show a couple of times and that's, she was a big influence. And, you know, I always tell young actors, like, if you are frustrated with where your career is at, pick up a pen and start writing. If you write your own show, no one can stop you.
0: Right. So and you that, now you work. created your own feet, your own film. So there you go. Yes, you know, there one you one go. Is, okay. All right. Dave is going to ask the final question before sure. we find out where we can find the film because he's a caregiver
1: and we'll sure. find out why he's a caregiver. Go ahead, Dave. I'm a caregiver. My wife had a stroke 25 years ago and she lost her speech, became paralyzed on one side. A couple of years of grieving was miserable but then she reinvented herself. She decided, you know, she was going to do everything she did before with one arm and no speech. And now she's amazing. She's like a Martha Stewart Wonder Woman uh, rolled into one. And we've been going through this for 25 years. So I realized that, hey, you know, if I could just uh, communicate to other caregivers, because I didn't right. know what I was doing, right. all the mistakes I made. So I became Dave, the caregiver's caregiver. Then on television 50 times, did some interviews, spoke all over the world, going to London uh, on the 12th of uh, this month, going to speak at the. Uh, Oh, One again. stock exchange. Yeah. Uh, get my picture with Nigel Farage. My question to you, and I've got a website caregiverdave.com, yes, and uh, four books. Yes, I'd like to say that that you know, if you don't think you're going to be a caregiver, just wait, it's inevitable, it's going to happen to everybody.
2: So Dave, now's
1: the time to prepare, not after tragedy strikes like I did. You don't know what you're doing, you don't have to scratch your head.
2: I, I want to tell you that I think what you do is unbelievable, and I want to call you a saint because my mom just passed at 96 years old. And it's so hard to find great caregivers. And my sisters were unbelievable. One of them moved in with her. They're from upstate. We all took turns, but there was two women who we knew and they, we knew they were caregivers and they would come in and they're little, they're saints. And what an important, important role in life. That's why I always say like being an actor or actress, people think that's so great. And, but the truth is there's so many more important roles. And you're the one who deserves an Academy Award and you're the one who deserves a star on the sidewalk because holy cow, that's unbelievable. And your wife is <laughs> incredible. Every that's, caregiver. That's Thank really some, every caregiver. It's it's beautiful.
0: So again, check out caregiverdave.com. Now we have talked about the film. Where can people watch it right now?
2: Okay. So they got to Google if they're in your town. There, it's in many, many towns and cities all over the country. If it's not in your town, you go to at Rushed Movie on our Instagram or on our Facebook. But you can also just watch it on iTunes, Amazon, Apple, and you can download it right now. I've already had people that have downloaded it and been watching it for breakfast. I don't know what's going on. But it is, where do you guys live?
0: I'm in Pittsburgh. LA. Pittsburgh
2: and Pittsburgh LA. Okay, so... Just, I don't think it's in LA. It's in Riverside, California, Pittsburgh. We just interviewed with the Pittsburgh city press. So they, I know there's some theaters there that want to get it, but it's all over Florida. It's all over Boston and New York and New Jersey and South Dakota and Arizona, many, many theaters. If it's not in your theater though, download it and watch it and please support us because independent movies really need your support. Yes. And thank you, both of you. And God bless you for being a caregiver. I think it's incredible. And I, can, I can
1: download it from, I can download it from Amazon.
2: Amazon, iTunes, Apple, and several other platforms. And I honestly only knew what platform shoes were until about two weeks ago when Vertical Entertainment told me, said, make sure you mention the platforms.
0: Okay, that's fantastic. Everyone needs to check it out. Appreciate it. And uh, where are you on Instagram? Where can we?
2: At Rushed Movie. All
0: right, awesome. We appreciate you. Thank you so much.
2: God bless. All right, that
0: was the Neil Haley Show, guys. Take care.
2: Win meet and greets, celebrity merchandise, gift cards, and more. Download Celebrity
1: Slots today.
0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Christopher Hall Show. I'm excited to welcome Dr. Christopher Hall. Dr. Hall, again, Nobel Prize-nominated doctor. COVID, we're talking about different things, but today we have a great guest, don't we, Dr. Hall?
3: Wow, you know, this is an exciting guest in particular, a very exciting time. Really, as a nation, guess what? We need to come together all for one. Very exciting. Awesome. So introduce our guest. Well, no problem. Well, you know, I'm very excited uh to introduce a Grammy Award winning vocalist, uh a lead singer of the group, all for one, known for certain hits such as I Swear. And I can love you like that. I'd like to welcome to the show, Mr. Jamie Jones. Welcome to the show, Jamie. Hey, hey, thank you for having me.
0: Hey, Jamie, thanks uh, for coming on. And so I guess the starting out, the kind of question before is how have you dealt with COVID and with different things we're talking about? You do a lot of the behind the scenes stuff so that you can keep working. But how difficult was that at first to now with, you know, not being able to tour and stuff once it first came out?
5: Oh, man, it was it was extremely difficult because, um, you know, 2020 was going to be, well, so we've been, for the last five or six years, we've been on a tour called I Love the 90s with a lot of other really big uh, uh, rap and R&B and pop groups from the 90s, and and then also we do a lot of touring on our own, so, you know, for 2020, we had quite a few shows set up, worldwide, you know, I mean, we were going to be hitting Australia and New Zealand and London, as well as, you know, I think we had 40 or 50 shows in the States. So we had a busy schedule and it was just like, come March, everything started, first it was postponing, then it went from postponing to just straight out canceling. And the craziest part about it though, was in February of 2020, we were on a quick, We had quite a busy schedule that took us from Seattle to Hawaii, Hawaii to Shanghai, Shanghai to Beijing, Beijing to Tokyo, and then Tokyo to to Florida. And, you know, I just remember getting back home and we we started hearing about some of this stuff while we were in Japan and we had just left China. So we're like, wait a minute, there's some weird stuff going on in China. We were just there. Like, is everything cool with us? Like, you know? And I just remember getting home and I waited a couple of weeks after I got home and I called my doctors and like, Hey, you know, I just want to make sure I'm good. Like my wife and I, we have no symptoms. And they were like, well, we don't know what to tell you. Like, we don't have a way of testing. Like we have no clue. And it was just, like I said, from there, it was just downhill. Everything started canceling, postponing. And, um, and honestly, it's the longest break in our 28 year career that we've ever had of not performing.
0: Crazy. All
3: right. So, Dr. Hall, first question for Jamie. Oh, that's just so interesting. Well, you know, Jamie, um, uh, this, you know, wow, 69 million plus records worldwide. And uh, just tell us a little bit about, about yourself, kind of like where you're from, how you got into music, and then how you guys came together as a group. Are these people you grew up with? Or, tell us a little bit about that. All right. Well, I'm from...
5: Originally born and raised in the Los Angeles, California area. You don't meet too many folks like me. Most people in Los Angeles are from somewhere else, they transplants. But I'm born and raised, actually, it's an hour north of Los Angeles. It's called the Antelope Valley, Palmdale, Lancaster. So Tony and Alfred, now Tony's the white guy, Alfred's the Mexican guy, Delius is the other short black guy, I'm the tall black guy. And Tony and Alfred are also from the same area. And I met them in a talent show and they had their own group and I had my own group at the time, we were all pretty young. And um, after I heard them perform, I was like, these guys are incredible. Like Alfred's a true bass and Tony has this high falsetto and, and just pure voice. So I got their phone numbers and said, hey, we should do some stuff together. And, you know, and so I called them not too long afterwards because one of the local radio stations, Hot 97, asked me to do some radio station jingles. And so I knew we needed some harmony. So I called these guys and said, hey, y'all want to do some radio station jingles with me? And so we did those radio station jingles. And, you know, we liked singing together. And not too long after that, uh, Tony and I entered a karaoke show. And that same radio station, Hot 97, was given away $977 to the winner. And we were all completely broke. <laughs> so I said to Tony, I'm like, wow, <laughs> This is easy work. Let's go get this money, bro. So we go up to the fairgrounds where the karaoke show is. And as we're looking for what song we're going to sing, we hear this guy on stage with this big voice. And then I look over and he's on his knees and he's rolling around the ground. I'm like, nah, this little dude is not going to take our money. And and so it was Delius. So I said to Tony, I said, listen, we're going to have to sing Ebony and Ivory and we're going to have to take it to church. Not your church, but my church. We got to go crazy with it because otherwise, this little dude rolling around the stage is going to take our money. So we get out there, and I mean, we go for it. And that night, we all tied. And um, fast forward a little, little more than that. You know, I was always very, um, I was always very involved in my church. You know, I started singing in church when I was three years old. I started competing when I was five years old. And at that point, I was, I think, seventeen. I was involved in my church at least minimum four days a week. And during one of the choir rehearsals, this guy walks in and I had never seen this guy before. And he starts asking around. He's like, Hey, I'm looking for, you know, somebody they call little Luther. I think his name is Jamie. And they're like, Oh yeah, that's Jamie over there. so after choir rehearsal, he and I get to talking and he's like, listen, I work for an independent record label. We're looking for a group. And we have this song. It's a song from the 60s called So Much in Love that we wanna do a, you know, we wanna remake it. So I said, okay, well, I don't have a group, but I know every singer in this valley. So give me a couple of days and I'll put one together. And of course, I called Dilis, I called Tony, I called Alfred. And we went to Six Flags Magic Mountain here in California. And literally, we walked around that theme park for six or seven hours, singing everywhere. I mean, in the parking lot on the train, on the, 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 you know, the train from the parking lot to the, to the actual theme park and every line at every restaurant, every in the bathrooms, because there was good reverb, you know, everywhere we practice, we practice, we practice, we got, um, a audition for that record label and they gave us contracts on the spot. And as they say, the rest is history. And that's
0: again, a lot of stories, right? Wow. Right. Yeah. Here, right. Broke completely. And then somehow opportunity comes. Yes. So would you say, were you the leader in a lot of ways to keep the, together for the certain amount of time and how you guys still tour today? Do you feel that you're the one that kind of, because again, people go into singles, they decide different things, keeping groups together. What do you think that you're, what from when you were young to now, at this point, how did you help that process to keep it going?
5: Right. Well, I mean, the thing is, you know, we are all very um, very much me and the guys are very much on one accord i mean we all kind of grew up very similar backgrounds you know military dillis was an air force brat so he moved every three years but you know me and tony our fathers were not moving every three years they were stationed and and alfred's brother so the thing is we have a lot of the same values as far as our religious beliefs our family beliefs our musical beliefs so you know, all of the decisions that we make, we make them as a group. I am probably the one who is always the most, um, I, I probably am always out working the most to, to, to also bring other opportunities in, only because, you know, I am, when I'm not doing all for one, I'm a music producer. And I have a production company called The Heavyweights, and I've worked with a lot of different artists. I mean, folks from from Wayne Brady to Tupac, like I've worked with a wow. lot of different artists. And even now, I still do a lot of work for Disney, for Netflix, for Nickelodeon. So I, I do quite a bit of production. So with me being behind the scenes, I'm probably a little more connected in the music business than the rest of the guys, because I just eat, sleep and breathe music 100 percent of the time. Wow. So I, you know, I mean, but you know, Deilis is also. I say Deilis and I are probably the ones who do the most, uh, you know. Pro, pro, uh, you know, or I, I, we're the ones who are always looking to advance the group. You know, Dillis is also a, a hustler, and so he he goes out and finds some good opportunities as well. And and then of course we have a great manager, Hannah, and she she does the majority of the work. So it's not like we're out there pounding the pavement, but you know, being artists sometimes things just land on our laps and we just say, Hey, Hannah, you know, can you check this out? But most of the opportunities that come for us come from her. And would you say that's, but you're definitely the leader of the
0: leader, kind of keeping things together. What is your take? Who would you say? You know,
5: I think we all have our roles. So I wouldn't roles? just, yeah, I wouldn't just say there's one leader. Like they call me, they call me Deacon Jones in the group. Cause like, I'm like a step away probably from being the pastor of the group, you know? And um you know, but we all kind of have our roles and, and we all, I think, play them well. So it's not a thing of I'm the leader or he's the leader. I mean, we make every decision together. Everything is all for one. So. OK. Yeah.
0: All right, Dr. Hall, next question.
3: I mean, it's well, it's just such a wonderful group. And I mean, Jamie, so multi-town, he's a producer. Now, did you say you worked with Tupac uh, in the past? Yes, I've done Tupac. Well, I did Tupac remixes, which is a
5: little different. I, I was actually on uh, one of the first albums after he passed away. Uh, the album's called Until the End of Time. And um, me and my production group, we, we did a couple
0: of remixes. So what is, you're talking now, all these wow. other production, com- production big wig places. So how did you move up the ladder in that way of production? You did different musicians, but now you talk about working with Disney, all these things. How did that happen?
5: Like, how do you get those opportunities? Well, for me, you know what I, so every artist, once they kind of make it says, Oh, I'm going to be a songwriter and I'm going to be a producer and I'm going to be all of this. The thing is, I realized early on that in order for me to become a singer, I actually had, I had to pay my dues. I started, like I said, I started doing talent shows at at the age of five and basically every weekend of my life, You know, until I finally got a record deal. I mean, I sang at, I didn't even know what a bar mitzvah was, but I was singing at them. I sang at funerals. I sang at weddings, at pep rallies, at fashion shows, at talent shows. Like everywhere that I could hopefully be seen, I did that because I knew that if I could just continue to get out there, maybe somebody would discover me. And and I realized that after I made it as an artist, my, my dream has always been to kind of be like the, the people I looked up to, Prince, Donnie Hathaway, Stevie Wonder, when you would look at the back of their album covers, it would say written, produced, arranged, composed, played, like they did everything. And that was always my dream. And so with all the All For One records, I wrote half of all the All For One records. Wow. And I was always interested in songwriting, but I knew that if I wanted to be successful, I'm going to have to pay my dues. So What I used to do when we would be on the road and we're playing these arenas, when everybody else, when we would have a day off or just an evening off was, you know, going to, you know, go watch a movie or go to a bar or whatever the case is, I had all my equipment at the bottom of the tour bus. And I was setting it up in the tour bus. And when we would get to the hotel, I was set up in the hotel. And when we would get to the venue, I would set it up in our dressing room. And I would come an hour or two before sound check just so I could work on music. And and then once we got time off, I started taking trips to Nashville, working with Christian writers, country writers, gospel writers. Here in LA, I started working with rock writers, hip hop Producers and writers. I work with everybody because I figured that there was something I could learn from all of them. And I knew I had to pay my dues. So that's kind of what I started doing. And then, you know, one opportunity came. We, we did a, a song on a soundtrack, a kid soundtrack called Stuart Little Two. And, and it was a song that was written by a Republican center, senator named Orrin Hatch. He wrote a lullaby. And me and my production team, we actually. Made a melody out of it, we because it was just a poem, so we actually made it a song and we produced it, and it was great and and, and It was like that was one of my first foots in the door, and I think that was around ninety eight uh maybe two thousand and and from there, I just kept you know honing in on my craft and even when I was on the road with all for one, even to this day i don 't travel without a studio with me anytime I go somewhere, I always have a portable studio with me wow that's keeping.
3: Busy,
0: yeah, you're wow. getting the work
3: and the extra. All right, go, Dr. <laughs> Will, next question. No, I'm just hearing so many things from Jamie. I'm I'm hearing, like, you know, uh, basically being prepared, uh, organized. I mean, he has such foresight. And, you know, it doesn't sound like he grew up with a still-responsive monster or anything. There's so many young people out there who, I mean, who want to have the vision that he has. And, you know, what would be your advice to these young people who want to get into entertainment and, 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 you know, travel the world and, and give out a good message like yourself, Tammy. What what would be your advice to these young people? What
5: do they do? Well, my advice is always this, you know, and I talk to a lot of artists because I get a lot of young artists that I work with, you know, that come to see me and come to my studio. And, and when they give me a few minutes of their time, I give them an earful. And And my thing to them is always this. You know, one thing about the music business is you will always hear the word no more than you'll hear your name. Because music is such a relative thing, right? In music, there is no right and wrong. You know, you can love country and Neil, you can love rock. I could love hip hop. That doesn't make any of us wrong. It just makes us different. So you have to realize that in music, it's you're always going to be trying to cater towards someone's opinion, whether it's the opinions of your fans, the opinions of the record company, people who have to write the right checks to you know, promote your music. It's always someone's opinion and you gotta have thick skin, that's A. B, you know, the thing I say is everything in life that's worth having comes through hard work. And at some point in life, everything gets hard. Yes. But only the things you're the most passionate about are the things that you will stick with so that when it does get hard, you won't quit because it's your passion. It's what Mm -hmm. you live and breathe. So my thing is to all the kids, make sure this is your passion because it will get hard. And when you make it, it doesn't get any easier. It gets harder. You know, you're not sleeping, you're traveling all the time. And now with social media, you're always required to be your best in every situation. You're just not allowed to have regular human emotions. You know, if you have a passing in your family and you're sad and you see fans and you're not nice or, or you're just not as bubbly as they think you should be, they're going to go right and say you're not a, a nice person yeah, instead yeah. of just giving you the benefit of, a, of the doubt that maybe you're just having you know, a bad day, or maybe something is is up in you. So I just like to make sure everybody knows that, listen, it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of dedication. And once you get on, it doesn't get any easier. So you got to make sure that this is your passion and this is what you want to do. And you got to be willing to put the work in when nobody's watching. You'll be in the, I I use a lot of basketball uh, analogies, you know, to be in the gym shooting when nobody's watching, everybody sees the game. And everybody's got a comment about the game, but nobody has a comment about the practices yeah, and the, yeah. the time it takes to get and be the best. So that's kind of
0: what I like to, you know. So, Jamie, representing All for One right now, latest project
5: for All for One and then latest projects for you. Okay. All right. So, latest project for All for One. So, we've been working on an EP. We started actually um, in 2020. And, um, so we've got some amazing songs together. We're just trying to figure out when we're going to release them and put the finishing touches on them. So hopefully this year, you know, we were, we, we've been waiting because we want to make sure we have the opportunity to promote it properly. But because of COVID and everything going on, it's, you know, it's just kind of hard to, to do what we normally would do. So we're trying to figure that out. Um, and then for me, I actually just released a solo single and I, I did a remake of a song called Sunny song from the the 50s originally written by a um, a guy named Bobby Hebb but it was also made famous by folks like Marvin Gaye and Stevie Wonder and so it's a really cool R&B vibe it's different than what All For One does so I just released that and I'm actually going to be releasing an EP as well here soon so that'll probably come out before All For One's project. All right and then the the last thing is that, that Um, we'll get to you,
0: Dr. Hall. Summarize Jamie really quickly, and then we're going to find out where we can find the best info for him.
3: Oh, with well, no problem. I mean, I mean Jamie, he, he represents dedication, passion, hard work. I mean, I don't think he's, he's, he's saying, I mean, I heard these things in my brain as a kid. I, you know, I grew up in Los Angeles, and it's just, it's just incredible. And so, I'm just very excited that, you know, during this time that, that he was able to bring um, uh, the nation this wonderful message. So, Thanks a lot, Jeremy, for coming on the show. Man, I appreciate you guys for having me. Absolutely, Jeremy. Best place to
5: connect with you. Where can we go? So social media, of course, um, you know, for All for One, our pages are pretty simple for Instagram, for Twitter, for, for uh, Facebook. It's just all, A-L-L, the number four, O-N-E music. So All for One music. Or you can go to our website, which is all-4-1.com. And all of our stuff is there as well. And, la- and I guess the last
0: point that you bring up with all that stuff, the last point uh, with it is, Jamie,
5: a message for your fans. What would you like to say to them? Well, first off, I would just like to say, whether you're our fans or not, you know, everybody be safe, be careful. You know, this whole pandemic is changing quite a bit of things that used to be normal for all of us and and, and changing a lot of lives and not not so much for the better. So I'm praying for everyone and praying that, you know, we have great doctors like you, Dr. Hall, and and other folks to continue to, you know, help get us to a better place. But the other thing is, you know, one thing I love about music is music provides an escape. Music is a, it can be such a powerful Mm -hmm. tool to help you get through all kinds of situations in your life. So whether it's our music or someone else's music, I would just want to encourage people to just Find ways to just escape a little here and there so that A, you can keep your sanity, but you know, but B, it can help you feel good. I love that.
0: Great messages, appreciate it. Jamie, thanks for stopping by. Dr. Christopher Hall show. Thank you, you. Jamie. Hey, thank you both. Take care. Thanks. You will y'all. All right, guys. That was the Dr. Christopher Hall show. Guys, take care.
3: Please listen to the Forletta Podcast.
0: Larry Forletta, a retired DEA agent turned private investigator, will bring you true life stories on the war on drugs with some of the most infamous international drug traffickers of all time, to name a few, Pablo Escobar, Manuel Noriega, Joaquin Guzman aka El Chapo and other related real life crime stories such as Wake Up. For more information, please visit his website at www.fcisllc.com. Hi everyone and welcome to the Photographic Memory Podcast. I'm excited to welcome to the program Dr. Shannon Panzo. Dr. Shannon, what's going on? How are you?
4: Oh, I'm doing okay. I'm feeling healthy and wise and all the rest of it. So Great things happen here.
0: (laughs) They truly do. And Dr. Shannon is a photographic memory expert, a brain management expert. And you can go to zuxpro.com right now to get mentoring and photographic memory help and everything in between. And Dr. Shannon, we're going to jump into one thing that uh, is something that's very hard for people. And that's concentration, especially with all the different things going on. You're trying to stay focused at work. You're trying to, you know, bang keys out in the computer, write a paper, go ahead and create a masterpiece. And the problem is the distractions are endless, aren't they?
4: Oh, absolutely. And, uh, and you'll be happy to hear that I'm going to, I'm going to make sure to open up the opportunity at the end of this video. I'm going to make sure and open up the opportunity for people to go and get the concentration technique for free. Now, all you have to do is go through the rest of the video with me, and you'll find out about this. OK. Now, there's a there's an ongoing thing happening today, in especially in the work world, and that is uh, people are working more and more from home. But if you work from home, you will know that there are absolutely a ton of distractions that are going to stop you and stop your work progress. This is the one thing that employers fear the most is people working from home because they can't have a centralized place where that person is absolutely going to be dedicated to doing their job and to have uh, have, uh, basically software that watches the person while they work is not something that people want to hear about. That is really an invasion of privacy there. So all the mechanisms that they have, all the mechanisms that the employer has to do these things are really very invasive upon the person working at home. So it's up to you as the person working at home to stay attentive, tuned in, and be able to concentrate specifically on your work. This is not an easy thing to do. It's definitely not an easy thing
0: to do. And, and I think that the problem is that we talk about the subconscious in a lot of ways and we take our, we, everything, I, I think how much of our time is programmed in our minds all the time. And then we get distracted in specific things because we're used to doing it. So with automaticity and in the subconscious that we lose our, our mindset and lose our focus really what the task at hand is if you just you could end up in just this routine that just constantly goes and your productivity goes right down the tubes
4: right so in other words when the when the kids are running around the um the dog is barking uh you know the the birds are tweeting or whatever the case may be uh, all these things are distractions and these are things that normally would take your attention and you'd have to deal with them Whenever you're working, you can't do that. You have to focus. Now, whenever it comes to focus, yes, in order to learn how to focus, you first have to deal with the conscious mind because the conscious mind will take you places that you're not necessarily wanting to go. And it's really important for you to focus on the constant conscious mind and be able to deal with things. That's, that's the way that this concentration techniques works. Then if you're using the concentration technique and you're then using uh, if for instance, if you're using ZoxPro, what you find is it's much easier to focus on your intent and what you want to have happen in ZoxPro if you know how to concentrate better. So that's why we have this technique to help you in concentrating better. It is called the Einstein's distraction index. Now The Einstein's Distraction Index teaches you how to have 100% locked in concentration for up to 19 minutes. Now, the bizarre thing is Albert Einstein invented this as a teenager. He used it for his entire life. This This was his little mechanism that he kept secret from everybody else that taught him how to concentrate so well. So, whenever it comes to concentration and being able to do what you need to do, this is the way to go. And it's, and it's given to you from beyond the grave, <laughs> because it was actually discovered in his notes after his death. And that's how people discovered about the Einstein's distraction index. We give it away uh, we give it away as the first module in our training. We also give it away for free, so that people can people can enlighten themselves with this particular technique. It works.
0: And that process, how much more do you concentrate trying to use this method,
4: this technique? And this is just a portion of what SexPro is. The average person the average person has a difficult time focusing on any one particular thing for, for under three minutes. And that's where we begin on this. We begin at three minutes. If you have 100% locked in concentration for three minutes, three minutes using this technique, you are good at for six weeks to six months before it's dropping off. When you notice that it's dropping off, you go back, and you redo the program. Now, there's higher levels than three minutes. And this also has to do with goal setting and things like this. It's all explained to you. It's very simple. But it's just a matter of you doing it. And really, there's the, if you follow the directions as they are written, don't try to rewrite the directions on this. If you follow the directions, you will have great results with your ability to concentrate, attention to detail. Uh, Eliminating distractions, however you want to put it, it's all there, just in this one this one exercise alone. So it's really helpful in you doing whatever it is that you do during the day. Uh, I remember whenever I remember when I was growing up, if a person will diverge just a little bit to learning, if a person was uh, in school and they were looking out the window and and enjoying uh, enjoying the scenery and daydreaming. And the teacher was actually up there teaching at the same time. The teacher would make it apparent that the person was doing the wrong thing, either by throwing down a book or throwing an eraser or smacking the person on the on the head with a ruler or something to pull their attention back into the classroom. The problem is, is you learn much better whenever you're in the state of alpha daydreaming. You learn so much more. And whenever the teacher goes and does things like that, they just don't know. They don't know that they're taking people out of their way of learning. And what happens is, is they snap them back to the beta level where they're very ineffective at learning. So. Even the teachers didn't quite know what they were doing back then, but that's okay. We learn, we grow, we become better. And the way to become better now is go to zuckspro.com, right? Absolutely. I've given you a couple of great tips. If you go to zuckspro.com and you go to the, uh, the freebies area, you know, where you can pick up, uh, you know, books and such, you'll find... That there is the distraction index drill or Einstein's distraction index, or it may have something re- uh, regarding uh, concentration for free. Get that. Sign into it, get it, and learn how to concentrate. You're only going to be better for it because great things happen here.
0: All right. So go to expert.com <laughs> We appreciate it, Dr. Shannon, and I stated paid attention the entire time to the interview. All right. Take care guys. All right. That was the photographic memory podcast.